2: Hello, welcome everyone to The Distraction. It is Thursday, it is a big day. We have a big special guest coming up in, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes. See, we'll see how this first portion plays out. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined by the Artistic Ace Analysis. I kept the ace this time, Joseph. Good. Joe Holbert. Joe, how are you?
3: Well, I'm surprised you're here, Jeremy, to be honest, because the last time I saw you, uh, Five Feet of Fury was thrown down and I just violent dunk, like I mean Shaq spins sort or of pushes you off after she dunks it deal, but like, I'm surprised you're still in one piece, let alone doing podcasts like so it. firstly, this start there you're in big trouble, you're in big trouble with me by association but you're in big trouble with uh, the Wicked Witch of WWE, which I believe is the official branding yeah. um, who appears every Friday night live <coughs> Smackdown on Fox in the WWE Dome. so you're in big trouble what uh, do
2: you have to say? If you check the last two-minute report, it was a complete foul on on this bliss dunk. Complete, look she hooked elbow. with her yeah. Complete elbow, hooked and everything. I drew the charge. Rest didn't call it. She got the superstar call. I get it. I get it. All right. I I know my stock has been elevated uh, over the last couple of weeks. I'm still. I, I'm I'm kind of like Jamal Murray right now. Okay. I'm having having this big breakout, making the leap and stuff. Alexa yeah. still LeBron. She's still going to get all these calls, okay? So, I get it. Let me pull up this tweet. I wrote a headline that said, Alexa Bliss, what did it say? Oh, a lot of bodies had to lay down for Ronda Rousey's success. That was the headline. She talked about Ronda Rousey and uh, how the women's division has changed. She wrote a tweet that said, Taking only part of my point for clickbait. Good job complimenting our whole division, including Ronda. She did. Read the article. Read the article if you want to see your point. I yes. wrote a headline, Joseph.
3: This is where you are truly doomed, right? Because, <laughs> like I have done this gig before. Not the wrestling one. I did it at the MMA side of this for Fight For like, Not. My headlines would be like, like... My headline for that, you mentioned this up air would be like, Alexa talks Rhonda. Done. No one clicks. <laughs> no retweets. Jeremy does this, like, smart like it's very much what she said and it isn't like insane or outrageous but the reaction was pretty wild on Twitter like before Alexa tweeted this it was on my timeline all day of people just being very mad about a (laughs) quote which legitimately was Rhonda didn't do it alone end quote effectively yeah Uh, what has actually happened to you is you're good at your job but I will uh, I want to (laughs) stop you here and I will take a charge because Alexa is my all star okay I'm just a glue guy on the team I will take a charge and I'll get in a fight and get thrown out of the game for the sake of this, okay? Imagine you said a quote that innocuous, and people were, like, ready to fight you about it, and then you would hate the man that wrote that article. (laughs) That's all I want you to know, okay? While you're good at your job, just imagine logging onto Twitter and people being like, you think wrestling is a team game? Why don't you get out of here, Alexa, please? Get out! It's hard. It's tough out there. That's all
2: uh look it's not clickbait um it's headline bait i'll admit that i i yes. wrote a i wrote a very good headline to get people talking and to get people to click on the every every headline is technically clickbait because you want people to click on the article no one writes yes. just otherwise i just write headlines my job would be so much easier if i could just like write a headline and not write an article it'd be great i would love that um, you do
3: that and see if anyone knows <laughs>
2: You just click the article and there's just like nothing there. Yeah, I don't know just if I could... a
3: slideshow of images. That's it. That's all you
2: get. I don't know if I could get away with that. Um, whatever. If Alexa Bliss was mad, I've had other people mad at me. Well, she'll get over it. Look, this is her fault. She puts her she puts her podcast out on Tuesdays, talking to the Miz about throwing up and shitting at the same time on a first date. This <laughs> <laughs> is a legitimate thing that happened, right? Yes.
3: Yeah. Okay. It was wild, man. I but <laughs> like, I watched it on the WWE network, and Miz was like doing the sell. You don't want to hear this story, and I was like, oh, Miz is so dramatic. And then like next thing I knew I was so deep in. I was. I, I did not want to hear the <laughs> story. You were correct. One awesome first guest, Miz is. He's literally just ready. Like comes armed with stories. Yeah. It ended, and he was like, I have more. Give me more time to so, talk like, about shitting and vomiting myself. <laughs> Amazing God Truly incredible
2: Miz, Miz has seen some things He's He's been in the entertainment industry For like 30 years now Between reality television And WWE So he, he's yep. definitely seen some stuff But this all could have been avoided If she didn't One, if she didn't put her podcast on Tuesdays Against our distraction reviews Two, if she credits you For breaking the news about her podcast You have not gotten credit from her, Joseph So she needs to be more professional and credit the actual source when the news breaks
3: how are you going to react when i do not show for a recording of this podcast and i appear on uncall for the legs of this to discuss the time in which i interviewed michael thompson that was my coolest moment yeah how are you going to is that going to be the ultimate betrayal yes the worst yes yeah and the thing is you're going to view as a heel turn and so will all, like, 12 people that watch this show. But everyone else can be like, yeah, Joe's stuck it to the clickbait guy. I'll be a hero when this happens. That's, all, that's, an, that's an angle for another day. Because today, there is some big stuff in wrestling, Jeremy. Is there? There's a pay-per-view this weekend. There is really? a big show coming. And I hear you You and Michael did production today. I didn't show up for it. And apparently, Michael, you, there's so many topics you want to get into with me be, before Michael Thompson comes on. I don't want to delay things any further, Okay. We spoke about the dunk. Let's now talk pro wrestling. The, As we do foul. better than anyone else. Someone once tweeted that. Someone said, we have the best analysis in pro wrestling, which is the biggest lie. <laughs> Wait, who, who tweeted this? Someone who doesn't follow Ivers was like, oh, I listen to lots of podcasts, and this is the best one. And I was like, huh? Sorry? What are you listening to? So let's do what we do best. Let's talk pro wrestling.
2: Maybe they listened to the podcast where I accidentally uploaded Corey Graves interviewing Shane McMahon. <laughs>
3: That would make sense, yes. They were like, man, these guys are really inside. These these guys really know what's going on. Inside. That was a
2: legitimate thing I did last week, too. I uploaded the yes. After the Bell cool. interview by accident. Um, all right, let's 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 start. Clash of Champions. We're not putting five minutes on the clock today. We've got, like, two topics, and then some retro review of a fall brawl scaffold match, and, of course, basketball talk in the end, and in the middle with Michael Thompson. Uh Clash of Champions is a Sunday. I did not know this pay-per-view existed on Monday afternoon. I barely knew it existed Monday after Raw. Raw was such a... Just the worst show I've ever seen. I don't know if it was the worst, but... Dude, it was three hours. Wrestling has been bad this week, dude. Like, Dynamite wasn't even good. Clash of Champions, is that what we're talking about? I'm real excited about this. WWE Championship match... Drew McIntyre against Randy Orton. I'm not running down this whole card. Joe, what stands out to you on this card?
3: Hmm. One of the tougher questions. <laughs> do you know this me. card? I know that Jey Uso and Roman Reigns is on it. Yes. And that is my answer, both from a uh, performance standpoint, as far as what they could produce if they're allowed to, but also as far as, like, how do they handle this? Is Roman just going to murder poor Jey Uso? Are they going to have a fun six-, seven-minute match? Are they going to do, like, an epic that Roman just wants to do. I have no clue. That's what interests me about that. The Randy Drew thing, I have to say, as com- I have completely lost. Like, I'm done. I give up. It's now like this weird, like a triple threat build that isn't an actual triple threat. And I just don't get why I'm supposed to steal. I don't know. It's completely lost me. And, uh, maybe that is my own lack of interest in Raw. It could be. But I'd, I'd assume that's the main event and that kind of frames... The way I'm at with the rest of the show, Nikki and Bailey, we've covered. <laughs> right, no need. Uh, Garza and Andrade versus Street Profits is Nikki Bailey times like 25, like it's just so bad. Um, there are elements like I like SmackDown quite a bit right now. I think Raw, we did the Raw rebuild deal last week, and it was infinitely worse this week. So I, I while I've enjoyed, I enjoyed the initial Thunderdome presentation. Uh, this show has not really captured the momentum they felt they had after like summer slam and payback remember that little two-week one-two punch yeah man we it feels like we fell off a little bit since then i must say
2: like i said after that wwe just needs to run a pay-per-view every week because that's when their television actually seems to be good um u.s title match bobby lashley and apollo cruz seen that a million times the Intercontinental Title ladder match: Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn. I think that'll be good. That should be good. Yeah. I don't. And the build has been good too, outside of Jeff being dehydrated for no reason. But I, I don't, I don't want more empty arena ladder matches. I feel like we see one a month. I'm just tired of these ladder matches. I, I feel like they use it way too much now, and in the empty arena setting, it, it's even worse than. Like the, the latter match lost its shine a, a while ago for me because it's, it's just tough to keep coming up with new ideas. And now in the empty arena, like nobody wants to take these stunt bumps in front of nobody. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have much interest in that. The rest of this card, just I'm looking forward to Reigns and Uso for, for similar reasons as you. Like, all right, what are they going to do? We know Roman's winning, but are they going to cool. have like a, a 15 minute, like really competitive match? Is it going to be like an eight minute kind of hope spot match? Is it just going to be like a 30 second spear and done? type thing McIntyre and Orton they've they've lost the plot on that completely lost Mm -hmm. the plot by trying to insert Keith Lee and doing a DQ literally every single week like literally every single week they I'm legitimately getting a FaceTime call from my friend as people will see that now um (laughs) literally every single week they they've done McIntyre and Orton and or McIntyre Lee Orton with with DQs and it's it's horrible just
3: horrible yes what's interesting about the ladder matches is is they've done this like the ladder match is now framed as the big show's way not um paul white the giant uh, you know the sort of wrestlemania shows It's become the way to use eight guys in one match the ladder match right it's the it's the deal where you put everyone in stunts claw 12 minutes that kind of thing i've always loved the traditional like one-on-one ladder match where the ladder is just the the, literally, the match, the way to win the match. And you go whatever which way that takes you rather than it making it sort of like a stunt show. Um, this match on paper is like in the middle, right? Because it isn't one on one. You have three different guys here, three guys that can all do cool stuff. But I just hope, um, and maybe not because this show could be long enough as is, but I personally would like them to have time to have like an actual ladder match where they, they use the ladder as a vehicle of which like, <laughs> to tease finishes and stuff. Rather than it to just be like, break this ladder, break that ladder, st- stack this one here. That has less uh, interest me. But I do agree with you, in fairness, before people get mad, I should have answered that. Because that is actually the most compelling match I would say on the card.
2: They haven't done one of those ladder matches in what feels like forever. It's It always just yes. seems like it's some type of stunt show. Set up ladders, set up the next spot, do this, do that. It never feels like it's a competitive thing of, hey, the goal here is to actually hurt your opponent long enough to to get the belts. Like, they go after yep. the ladders immediately and just start setting
3: up spots. The last one, I believe, was um, Dolphin Miz did, like, a 30-minute ladder match that was good, but so far away from being great that no one even remembers it other than me. So there you go. I think that's the last time it happened. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do because people are so trained now to expect, like, insanity. But the one thing I would say is sammy is very much like he's totally embraced the character given to him right this is not a guy who's like they want me to do this heel stuff but i'm gonna wrestle my way sammy thinks about this stuff he actually really has attention detail so it'll be interesting to see if he comes up with some nice character moments as he's kind of trying to like steal the belt because aj's a heel but that's not like the way he's kind of positioned right so there's a lot of potential in that match. I would assume it's the best match tonight, wouldn't you? I mean, I guess the ambulance match could be good, but you would guess the ladder match. Wouldn't
2: I you? don't think the ambulance match is going to be that good. Like those stipulations are just—they're they're tough. tough. They're real tough. Mm. Do you think Orton wins the title here?
3: Yeah, I do because I just—I like, mean, I don't. I think Randy is now much less hot than he was like a month ago, two yeah. months ago. But at the same time, Raw just needs a Joel of some kind. Right, like it can't. I don't think he can go on this way, and I'm not saying that Randy's the guy to fix it because he's better than Drew. I'm just saying sometimes that is the way it is by circumstance. The champ has to kind of fall on his sword almost, right? It's like you know, the, the show is dying. When I say dying, I don't mean in terms of like it's going to end soon, I just mean each week it feels a bit less kind of into it. Give it a new, a lick of paint with Randy as champ or whoever you want to. You could even do Randy as champ and then push straight on Keith Lee, just do something other than like okay, Drew's going to keep it and rotate to a feud with Dolph Ziggler. Just don't do stuff
2: like that, you know? I'm going to plug our uh, Michael Thompson interview because my friend who just tried to FaceTime me, he saw my tweet and and my retweet of your tweet that (laughs) – it said you know michael thompson great interview it happened you said michael thompson fucking rules and he tried to call me to talk about the michael thompson interview <laughs> he said i thought he said i thought you were done with your show i wanted to see how the interview went and if you what michael thompson stories you have so he was already very excited about this interview so there you go folks stick around
3: uh, that's coming up shortly it does. I know that we're. This is actually clickbait what we're doing here, Trenton. You know that, right? <laughs> this is actual clickbait. Like we, we got people from Miles Thompson and we're here like, yeah, maybe Clash of Champions will suck. I don't know. You'll like, <laughs> be good. I promise we'll get there. We will. Um,
2: is there any, there's nine matches on this card. I imagine some of them are going to be short. Two, I believe, will be on the kickoff show. I know Asuka and Zelina Vega is on the kickoff show. People are very upset about that being on the kickoff. Like, this Oscar reign. Just, I'm not upset about this match being on the kickoff. They haven't done anything to make me Will care you about this
3: match. Just let it play out, please. <laughs> if you, just seriously, okay? She's going to lose the bell to Zelina on the pre-show, okay? Cool. Awesome. She's going to snap. <laughs> clown makeup. Connor is back. Can you please just give it some time, Jeremy? You've been you've been going on about this for six months, but I'm letting it play out. Please. We'll ha- we're going to have a good title reign eventually. I promise.
2: I hope slapjack T bar. Yeah and mace show up on the kickoff show and just ruin this whole event right from the start here's my pitch on the main event oh, okay retribution gets involved in the main event okay
3: right yes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: they get involved in the main, and they help randy get the title because they see randy as like one of their own the guy who just, like, the money... Randy didn't sell out for the money. Randy just keeps going on for the love of the business, you know? Randy doesn't care about that money stuff. Of course, yeah, yeah. Good call. Yes. Um... Randy, Randy spoke to them when he's, like, performance center. Like, we don't need to be doing this performance center, killing yourself on NXT stuff. Like, you come up to the main roster and you know, make this money, even though it's not about money, but we signed contracts, so we do care a little bit about money. You see Shane Thorne, whichever one he is, I think he's Slapjack, tweeting like Shane Thorne never main vented Raw, like Slapjack fucking did. <laughs> this is oh, the yeah. this is the angle, Joseph. Randy Orton, retribution leader. That's the angle I'm pitching. There's no way Randy's allowing <laughs> that to happen. <laughs>
4: So viper. Gonna... What is his
2: nickname? Viper. Viper. Slapjack. T-bar. Uh, mace. Nux. I think one of the, one of the women, Mia or Mercedes, will one hundred percent be Nux. Uh, what else can you find in like a purse? Uh, club. Billy Club will be one of their names. What else do we have? Uh, call call somebody iPhone. You can hit somebody with an iPhone, right? What, what, what yes. would you use to fend off an attacker? You'd dig into your purse and fend off an attacker,
3: Joseph, because that's what they're named after. I don't know. I must say, though, Jeremy, I'm I'm in awe of the fact you have any energy to discuss this.
2: Roll of quarters? <laughs> quarter roll. Yeah, quarter roll. Q-roll. <laughs> Q-roll. 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 Okay, Q-roll. there we go. Yeah. We're making progress so, here. Why wouldn't I have energy to discuss this? I love Retribution. Did you not see my tweet? Retribution stan account.
3: Seriously, no okay, I am usually pro, like, let people criticise stuff however they want to. And I still am. I'm all for that. However, I do think that if you're still into the retribution thing enough, that you're, like, disappointed by the names or them signing (laughs) contracts, like, you are so much more patient than me because they've... They may as well have told you on week one, like, this angle is going to suck. Like, just accept it and just hope it doesn't affect things that you like. Now, thankfully they kind of protected the Hurt Business, right? They didn't make them look like fools. They did a Um,
2: stupid DQ finish in the main event.
3: Hey, look, is that not better than Bob getting pinned by Slapjack? Seriously. (laughs) Right? It's a lot better. So the the Hurt Business are so awesome. And the idea that we're going to build the program around these goofs, and it's not because of the talent, the goofs. It's the way they're framed, because they're all good. It's just yeah it sucks it was always going to suck i don't know how anyone's still surprised that it sucks they told us a million times i let it play out it's played out it continues to suck let it play
2: out let it play out more joseph if you're still letting uh oscar play out then i then if you're telling me to let that play out i'm telling you to keep letting retribution play out okay that's only fair but there's there's no
3: clown makeup in the angle though there's different have you seen have you seen how they looked yeah, it's true. I'll give it a couple more weeks on that one. Yeah. Should be coming soon.
2: Maybe she's the leader of Retribution. No, it's Randy. Hey. It's Viper. Why can't it be
3: both?
2: It could be. It could be both. Yeah.
3: Okay. Last time we pitched it, we were almost certainly right, and that's changed their mind. It was going to be Heyman and Roman, and they were like, oh, no, distraction's on to it again. Raw exclusive. Retribution's Raw exclusive now. I don't know, man. It sucks. What do you, what do you want from me here? This, this show... If you go... It's one of those shows, I promise you, if you go into it with low expectations, it'll be fun. I, I bet. I'm, I swear it will be. Dude, as l- just let it be that. <laughs> don't, like, you know, don't bring any expectations on it.
2: As long as the show is over by, like, 9.30 Eastern, I'll
3: be happy with it.
2: That, that's wow. really all I care about. Wow. As, as long as it's over by 9.30, I'll, I will be 100% happy with this show. I... I don't want to sit around until 10, 11, watching this, writing articles, and doing all this stuff, because
3: I have better things to do, like not watch wrestling. If you, if you follow me on Twitter and see me live tweeting this, like realize I must be in a dark place to be up <laughs> to work. Skip it up 3 in the morning watching Jey Uso, Roman Reigns, and that's not my big match of the night. It's, a, it's, not, the, it's not the strongest card, but head in the cell next month, Jeremy. Head in the cell, and you know what's happening there, right? The Mandalorian star is slaying the, the role model. <laughs> is that what's going to happen? Yes, yeah, I spoiler alert. Report okay. that. All
2: right. Yeah, I can't. I can't do those reports anymore. I got yelled at for doing those reports.
3: What you can't report that the legit boss is going to defeat the role model inside WWE Thunderdome. You can't do that.
2: No, I can't. Oh. I can report that Roman Reigns needs to wear a vest, but I can't report. I
3: hey. hey, that's a deep cut. I'm leaving <laughs> that there. i been told to bring things in. I will do as such. <laughs> Jeremy, what's next on our list of many topics here?
2: Uh, yesterday, Eddie Kingston fought John
3: Moxley. That's it. That's uh, big. Excited. Hang on, actually, I'm, I'm interrupting again. I broke this news. Did you, you did. notice I broke this news? You did. I beat Eddie Kingston sweet by 20 seconds. <laughs> That's how inside I am, folks. Well, I knew this match was happening before Eddie Kingston did. That's how deep in the game I am. Uh, AEW
2: kind of ran into some issues. Lance Archer got COVID, had to be taken off the show Ben Carter came out, said he got COVID A lot of people, I I shouldn't say a lot, multiple people from AEW ended up getting COVID And that's why they had to rewrite the show uh, last night Probably going to have to rewrite the show this week because they're taping on Friday And those guys aren't going to be cleared by Friday So things aren't great in AEW right now with the uh, COVID stuff Glad they caught it in time, but... Look, this is what's gonna happen when you keep running these shows, and not only do you keep running these shows, like there's not an actual bubble with this stuff. Like you got yeah. Brian Cage and Ben Carter going to do like indie shows and stuff, and you know what their protocols and everything are. This is what's gonna happen, all right. And and it happened to AEW. It's unfortunate of all this. We've said from the start none of this shit should be running. It is what it is, but. In all of that, in the changes, we did get Eddie Kingston against Jon Moxley headlining Dynamite last night, and it was about the only good thing on the show last night.
3: Yes. I mean, I have to, as a professional, right, start this with you know sympathies, of course, to all the people that got COVID. That's very sad. However, as a fan of the professional wrestling, I was not going to watch last night's show live. Was in, Saw where <laughs> things were going and was like, I'm now watching this show live. So... This was um, a very odd show. I thought it was mostly pretty bad. I think it is borderline insane that they didn't open the show with Moxley and Eddie segment. You know, where Eddie came out and called him out. Like, that should have been the perfect open, right? What? Eddie just storms out and is like, you know, I have the title match. Why did we start with Miro? That match sucked.
2: Uh, I was going to say, what opened the show? And then, yeah, it was very tough. Match. It was the tag match, and that was, that was rough that even before miro hurt it seemingly hurt his ankle that was a rough match before that and that didn't make things any better look it seems like miro's okay there's been nothing on him uh being injured but that was a rough match the hangman page uno match like that wasn't great the problem especially with the first hour is like these matches were predictable and they never got out of second gear Which is, mm. predictability is fine We knew Hangman was going to be Kazarian last week But at least they kicked that into a different gear With that match, this stuff was just All second gear stuff And we knew who was going to win it, the, the first hour, Dynamite rarely drags Just dragged The first hour, mm. and the second hour Wasn't too much better Until the Moxley stuff uh, I, Our friend Jack Crosby at CBS Just said, why don't Moxley And Kingston just cut promos for an hour and a half and then you do a 30 minute match that should have been the entire show that should have
3: been the show it it is a little bit I I sent you this message last night but like it shouldn't be kind of like uh, forgotten or it shouldn't go understated that Eddie Kingston is one of the best TV performers they have on the whole roster and that is I mean I think that's a credit to Eddie some people might say that says something about the wrestlers on their roster I wouldn't because I think Eddie's like super good but when they signed him I don't know if I did it on here, but I definitely stressed on social media. This isn't like a like Cinderella Man style. Well, he got his contract, bless him. He's going to lose matches on Dark. You know, good for Eddie. Like Eddie's a game changer. And if people didn't get it before, they sent him out there last night and was like, here's 60 seconds, sell your world title match. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's easy. I can do it. I can, do it. I can sell a John Moxley world title match easily. And boy, did he. That promo was awesome. Um, I know that people don't like the references, but come on, it was the perfect promo for him, right? It was just yes. perfect. Um, and that whole dynamic, those two guys are made for each other, and best of all, that match suggests to me that they're, they're going back to this match. Like, I don't think they were leaving everything out there. Do you agree? Like, this felt like, it, not a teaser, that's too too far, but I loved the match, but it felt like they were leaving stuff on the table to continue down the line, which is very exciting.
2: It definitely felt like they left, I mean, they basically left... A hardcore match death match kind of style right. on the table uh because they they did some brawling um but it was it was certainly just a hard-hitting affair and then Kingston passing out by the way Kingston has like two submission losses now right. in AEW like he's not afraid to just go out there and put the like they they all put each other over but he's not afraid to just go out there and tap out like he doesn't need to take a pinfall um I I feel like Moxley wants to do another crazy ass death match like he did with Omega last year and you're not going to find too many people better suited for that
3: than Kingston especially with the way they can build that match. Okay, so let's do a little fantasy book in here. So let's say that Omega and Hangman is going to be at full gear. Okay? Is that strong enough that Moxley could have a non-title lights out match with with Eddie? Which is... The, build is build as such is not sanctioned. Just like last year at Fall Gear. Right. Would that be enough? If the, Especially if the tag title matches the Bucks and FTR. Which I'm not saying it will be. I'm just saying like... Imagine... Could you see that being a thing they do?
2: If you have Omega, Hangman... You have... Bucks, FTR... You have Cody against somebody. Because Cody came back last night. Right. So... Yep. I don't know if they... They, hold, they can hold off... That's not until November. I don't know if you can hold off Cody and Brody that long. But no, I don't think so. you yeah. can certainly you can certainly uh do Cody against somebody. You even could have Jericho MJF. Like they're clearly planting some seeds there. You've got mm-hmm. two months or a month and a half to build that. Like you can easily build that match for, for that show. Yeah, you could you can easily do uh Moxley and Kingston, I think. I there will be enough there and I think at this point, like the draw of AEW pay per views is just the AEW name and feeling like you're gonna get a quality pay per view over kind of one big match. I know All Out wasn't like the best quality of a pay per view, but right, they've they built up enough cachet with with fans to that to be forgiven and still feel like, all right, if I'm getting an AEW pay per view, it's gonna be a good show. And look, there's enough good wrestling between the matches we just named that it'll be okay.
3: Yeah, I we often kind of. Um... As far as matches, we don't, like, dissect them very much on here, right? Uh, but I did love that like, you mentioned the style of match that Eddie and Moxley had. I love that the early goings was almost Eddie, like, testing the waters for, like, a pure wrestling match. He was like, this is a world title match. Don't make a fool of yourself, man. I'm going to try and wrestle with Moxley. And they did this kind of, like, this um, chain wrestling. And then Mo- Eddie, after, like, a minute of failure, just, like, pushed Mox in the face. It was like, come on, let's just fight each <laughs> other. And then it turned into this sort of... I mean, it's not like a hot take, right? It was so All Japan. It was so influenced by the, you know, the four... That that was obviously Eddie's whole style, but Moxley was like, yes, I also would like to do this. It was basically a G1 match for modern kind of uh, comparisons dropped onto Dynamite, and I'm all for that. The finish, by the way, was pretty epic too. I love that Eddie actually sold waking up and being told he'd lost. I honestly don't think I've seen a pro wrestler do that. Like, it was really cool. So... It sounds like we love the show because we love that whole deal. But other than that and Cody being back, I think both of us were pretty down on it. So, you know, mixed back, I guess.
2: I don't remember what happened in the second hour outside of Cody returning. There was
3: the um, the Jericho segment that went on for 12 hours with Private Party. With who? Private Party and oh, Matt Hardy. Oh,
2: I thought you were talking about the MJF segment. I was like, that was short. I completely blanked on that yeah. Jericho,
3: Matt Hardy. That was, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Matt did like a full... I mean, someone that makes a lot of errors while speaking publicly on this show. <laughs> at one point, Matt legitimately like froze and was like, uh, start again. Like It was like a full reboot live on air. I hope Matt is good. Matt concerns me, I have to say. I don't really know what Matt is up to because, and I'm not... This is genuinely not a bit. When I saw what he was saying before he went to AEW and when I look at what he's actually doing now he's there, it does feel to me like he's like trying to figure out what he's supposed to do in AEW, like genuinely. Yes. It does. Because like, I think he had one idea of what he was going to be. Um, and the audience didn't react as he hoped they would. When I say audience, I mean like the social media. Because there was no live audience, right? I I just hope he figures out... So right now, he kind of just looks like out of place, right? Like, he's just doing normal Matt Hardy things. It's very weird to me. I don't know.
2: It, it's not been a good run for Matt. Not yeah. at all. Like, Not even just trying to find himself as a character. But just the, the Sammy feud, a lot got in the way of that right. to where yeah. it didn't work out. He shouldn't even be on television after the fall. It it truly looks like they're trying to make it seem like he's okay and that's why they keep him out there on television. Like when they had him out there the other week, it's like, oh my wife's here, Rebby's here. It felt like just a complete save face moment. It's like just just keep this dude off television. He's he's not right. He's not really adding anything to the show anyway. Like no one's no one's really gonna miss Matt Hardy if
3: he's not out there doing anything. Yeah. It's Because you can tell that he, like, in the most sincere way, he really is trying. Like, those semi-matches, you know, one of them had the issue of lack of time and the other one had what happened. But no one can say Matt is phoning it in. No. Right? He's trying with all his might. It just it feels like it's not, it's not clicking. And then, as you say, there's such bad luck that's been there, too. Um, I hope things sort of look better for him. However that is, whether that's him taking a step back whether that's him doing something different it's just right now i hate to say this i mean we've been pretty critical of the whole broken stuff. i mean i have i shouldn't i've been critical of it. but when he comes out now i'm just like it, it couldn't be more sort of apathetic and that that's that's a bummer. so i hope that changes at some point i think using him with private party is
2: fine i just don't think they've even done a good job there of, of right. like yeah. a stat. because one week he'll be with them and then, then he was feuding with Sammy, and now he's, like, back with them. Like, just give me, like, some training vignettes or something like that. Like, just, hey, here's the basics of, like, tag team wrestling. Because the private party, the knock on them is they just, like, to do a bunch of moves and stuff. So do yeah. something like that. I don't know. You, they could do something different with Matt Hardy. They do something different with a lot of guys. Their roster, there's, there's a lot to that roster. And we discussed it last week, uh, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to rehash that. But... I guess it's going to be a little bit thinner for the next couple of weeks with this uh, COVID outbreak, and we'll see how guys kind of slot in now.
3: I definitely think vignettes are a big thing they need to like kind of get good at because their promos is really good. But if you have more variety, the show will be better for it, I think.
2: and That's one thing we know AEW can do well are those yeah. kinds of vignettes. So it, they do need to utilize that a bit more. So we'll see. Um, before we go to the Michael Thompson interview, do you want to talk about Cody's hair? It's dark. He's emo.
3: I think it looks better with the tattoo. Yes. The oh, 100%
2: tattoo. looks better with the tattoo. And i that may be the only reason he did it, is he's like, I just got to take people's attention away off this tattoo, so now I'm going to dye my hair.
3: My only take with stuff like is like the guys that make the AW action figures. like. <laughs> just so many toys got thrown at the wall last night right like they're like oh my! we've made like 10 Cody's. we have to paint over all of these things now they're collector's <laughs> items
2: all right they're they're collector's edition
3: What blonde did I say? haired cody oh sorry i thought i said the meaning of action figures I, I said the right terms there right i, yeah. I didn't say anything mate no, you're fine i thought you was like stepping in on behalf of the figure community. No, no no, very no. Then, no. Okay, no i'm very scared okay i'm just waiting. saying
2: yeah. those those particular versions now are yeah. now like collector's editions like blonde haired oh, cody
3: that's awesome. I thought you. I'd call them like dolls or something, and you—you was, he was <laughs> telling me off. I now understand. Anyway, yes, everyone that stayed with us now is like, man, this Michael Thompson. You'd be better to deliver, <laughs> folks. Deliver. Get your hot take helmet on. It's about to get pretty wild here.
2: All right, everybody. We're gonna go now to our interview with NBA legend, Lakers legend, two-time NBA champion, number one overall draft pick in 1978, Michael Thompson. We're back. We are here with NBA champion, two-time NBA champion, number one overall pick in 1978, Michael Thompson, Lakers legend. How are you?
5: Doing good, doing good. A little nervous today (laughs) because all of a sudden, fellas, we got ourselves a cute little series going on right now, so I'm a little concerned about what's going on.
2: I I thought you were nervous because you were talking to us. There's a a big show here, uh, The Distraction on Fightful. I thought that's why you were nervous. But okay, I get it. The the Lakers are – I think the Lakers will be fine.
5: Well, I hope you're right. (laughs) Uh, They better. They need somebody else to step up. They just can't rely on two men to carry them this whole series because Denver had a nice one, two, three punch the other night with uh, Jeremy Grant contributing to Jokic and Murray's production. So the Lakers got to find someone who could give them like 20 points to help uh, help out, Le- LeBron and AD. You yes,
3: know. this is a very unique podcast, Michael. Because this is, I'm pretty sure this is the only podcast in the world where NBA speak is like welcome on a wrestling podcast. So we will actually do the full Lakers Nuggets deal, I think. But um, this is made for you, I feel, Michael. you seem seen at home already. This is very good. Uh, Go again,
2: oh, Joseph was was just saying that our podcast is basically all like NBA talk we're we're a wrestling podcast masquerading as a basketball podcast we'd much rather talk about basketball than wrestling
5: Oh, we could talk about both. You know, you know me. I'm I'm an expert in both both those fields. So believe me. Bring up wrestling anytime you guys want to. because I love talking
2: about it. That's right. That's why we had you on. You sent out a tweet last week calling Eddie Kingston, uh, comparing Eddie Kingston's trash talk to The Rock, and saying how AEW has all these great trash talkers, and saying that WWE really only has like MVP. Were you surprised at like the reaction you got from that tweet? Um, uh, not.
5: That- Well, I guess I shouldn't be, because at first when AEW came on the scene, or I heard they were coming on the scene, I said to myself, I'm not watching that. That's going to be like minor league wrestling. But I said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. I'll see what AEW is all about. And uh, the first show I saw, I was like, oh, my goodness, these guys and these girls at AEW talk about personalities and the gifts of gab and the uh, daring and uh, sort of daredevil wrestling moves that these people do, all the flips over the top of ropes Jumping off the cuff of cages, AEW wrestlers, man, these guys are a level above the WWE. And I still watch the WWE. I still watch Raw and SmackDown. I tape them. I say two, three hours of Raw. I basically watch 20 minutes of it. I just fast forward <laughs> to all the boring stuff and watch <laughs> my favorite, uh, you know, Kevin Owens or uh, MVP and the Hurt, the Hurt business, something like that. So, but AEW, man. Wrestler after wrestler comes in the ring. They know how to talk trash. They know how to they know how to wrestle. They know how to put on a show. They've got charisma. MJF and all these guys, um, Chris Jericho, the, the Champion, and and the the elite and uh, all these guys. These guys are amazing. And the AEW, I'm hooked on it now. I, I watch the. I don't fast forward to that. I watch every minute of it.
3: That is tremendous. So I wanted to ask, this this podcast is pro Eddie Kingston. And so that tweet made me very happy to see that praise. I assume you're new to Eddie Kingston, right? Like, you've just been introduced to him through Dynamite. Talk a little bit about meeting that character, because it's a pretty pretty authentic presentation of wrestling,
5: right? Yeah, I had never really heard of Eddie Kingston before, Then then, then when I saw him on AEW. And I said, man, this kid's got it. He's got the charisma. He knows how to talk. Uh, He's uh, he's like uh, The Rock. The Rock was very smooth on the mic. He knew how to... Uh, connect with the audience, and Eddie Kingston has that street talk, that talk talk, and he just sounds so genuine. And uh, when he talks, he just he just has that great delivery. Yeah, he might not have the body of The Rock, but he doesn't need it. Uh, when you think about all the great trash talkers in the past, all the great uh, wrestlers with bike skills, you think of Dusty Rhodes and how he sounded like a street like a street preacher when he would get on the bike and do his promos. And Eddie Kingston has that same kind of skills, those same kind of talents, where he can just get up there and he captivates you. The way he uh, commands an audience and commands the microphone, man. He is good. Every time he comes on, I can't wait to hear what he has to say.
2: Did you watch the uh, Kingston and Moxley match last night?
5: Yeah, I watched that, of course. Everybody knew Moxley was going to win and retain the title. But Kingston always puts on a good fight. He's, he's good in the ring. He's, he does great ring work. And uh, I was looking forward to that. And, you know, every now and then they should let the, uh, the belt change hands more often. I would love to see Kingston hold on to the belt because... You know, Moxley's uh, kind of like a rough, blue-collar type champion, and uh, he, you know, he tries to come across as a tough guy in the mic. But for me, it doesn't work. I just think that the belt needs to be on a champion who just knows how to, you know, just rile up the audience even better. A guy like Kingston, a guy like MJF, they should be holding the belt because they just get you, they just get you uh, going one way or the other. You either hate them or you love them.
3: Yes, I co-sign all of this. You know, Michael, before you came on, I was fine with Moxley as champ. I have now changed my mind. I agree. MJF or Eddie Kingston as champ? Yes, please. I'm with you,
5: Michael. Yes. Yeah, when Chris Jericho held the belt, uh, I thought it was better. You know, I don't know why they don't put it back. But of you know, he's got that delivery. He's got that uh, personality. He's got that charisma. He's got that presence in the ring. You know, Moxley's a tough guy, you know, a blue-collar guy who, who will fight you anywhere, like a construction worker-type guy. But uh, I don't know. I just... I just think the rest of the champions should always have that uh, have that flair, like a Rick flair. The guy that, when he gets on the microphone, you just can't wait to hear what he has to say. We
2: yeah. were we were hoping this would be like a big Eddie Kingston celebration, and he would have won last night. And we were just going to throw a big party with you, maybe get Eddie Kingston to jump in on the show as well. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but we we love Eddie Kingston on the show. I want to get your thoughts on another trash talker, another friend. Yeah, you of, know
5: what? You guys should get him on the show, then I'll say something derogatory about him, then he can just, he can just kill me on the mic.
2: <laughs> I, look, I, I will shoot him a message. I will say Michael Thompson yeah. wants, you to, wants you to shoot on him on our show, but he can only be on our show, yeah. and we'll set this up.
5: Yeah. I'd love, well, the, I'd love for him to just trash me. Boy, he is good at doing that.
2: <laughs> I, I want to get your thoughts on another uh, trash talker and a friend of the show, Ricky Starks. Uh, can you bury him, please?
5: yeah he he's good Ricky's good um, you know he he has uh, he's got the physique he, he he gets on the microphone and he knows how to agitate his opponent you know he he comes across uh, in a good way so I like Ricky Starks. um but uh, I like it better when he's out there with taz Taz really has that uh, gift of gab and knows how to promote a match and promote his wrestlers you know Ricky Starks and Brian Cage and these guys so but Ricky's all right but uh, you know he's not he's not uh, eddie kingston but he's good he's, he's good he's good enough i, li-
3: I like to listen to him talk okay it wasn't a, it wasn't a full burial but we'll take that for I'll,
2: now. And, I'll message him and say you're not better than eddie kingston he'll take that personally <laughs> Oh no, yeah, yeah yeah definitely
5: tell him, that. Yeah, tell him that nobody's better than eddie kingston on that stuff
3: on aew so you mentioned a few of the guys that you enjoy it still in wwe we wanted to talk a little bit your phrasing was trash talk right like who are the good trash talkers left in wwe Talk a little bit about like the disconnect um, with modern WWE promos, right? Because it's a thing that fans talk about a lot, where it feels it doesn't feel genuine to people. So is that where you were coming from with that tweet?
5: Yeah, I, I grew up... Well, not grew up, but I was a grown man by then. But I think about the WWF, now WWE, from the 80s and 90s, when Raw was a can't-miss show. Because, like, every segment... Every match, they would have. They would bring another guy out who just had the personality and the charisma to connect with the audience. Stone Cold Steve Austin would be on. Triple H, uh, Kevin Nash, uh, and and the NWO would come on, and and uh, the Legion of Doom and all these guys, and, and the Godfather and all these guys would come on. Along with uh, with um, with uh, The Rock with a young up and comer. It was like in Raw back in those days. Or uh, had every segment was. A can't miss segment because for now you watch Raw and you know I don't I mean these these guys are all working hard I understand that they've got a job to do but I grew up in an era when today's current wrestlers would all be mid carters. they wouldn't be main eventers you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and it, it, it's kind of talk turning too much of a cartoon show like this thing with the uh, with Bray Wyatt and this. Fun house, playhouse thing he's got i mean what is that it's, it's geared towards like uh, 10 and 12 year olds now too much i don't know that's just my my thought about it it's like watching a kiddie show instead of watching that that uh that tough show that raw used to be 20 30 years ago
3: i think your taste is probably made pretty clear by your your twitter uh, profile photo right with the horseman um, there was no Firefly Funhouse business with the horseman, right? Like, it was a very different sort of stylistic approach back then. I think that's what a guy like Eddie Kingston or Jericho, as you mentioned, kind of brings back with
1: AEW, right?
5: Right. AEW has rough and tough tumble wrestlers out there. It's not a cartoon show. <laughs> it's not a kiddie show. There's a bunch of tough guys who put their bodies on the line and are able to talk trash to back it up. That's what you get from AEW. It's not a, It doesn't come across as a cartoon show, which the WWE has turned too much into, for, for the most part. You still have some good guys in the WWE, but it's not as tough and as mean as it used to be.
2: You're not a fan of uh, the, part, the paternity angle that's going on with Seth Rollins right now, I take
5: it. <laughs> no, no I, I, I've never been into the Seth Rollins, this stuff going on with the Monday Night Messiah and all this stuff. and the Ray Mysterio uh, family feud going on with him. I, when that comes on, I just fast forward right through that. I didn't pay attention to that. And so and that, that doesn't captivate me. Now, obviously, it probably captivates other people. That's why they continue to push it. But for me, no, I, I would say my best segments on Raw is when the Hurt Business comes on. And then this new thing with retribution. I mean, what is that? This, what is that stuff? I mean, come on. That's just ridiculous. So, But uh, the Hurt Business, the one that make me stop and watch, I do like Miz and Morrison. They're funny. And, uh, and then this Monday night, uh, what is this thing they have going on now with uh, Shane McMahon and the underground stuff? Oh, come on. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't do that.
3: <laughs> okay, I wanted to... I, by the way, I co-sign all of this. All right, this, is, this is the best podcast we've ever done. Thank you, Michael. This is great. So well, I did want to ask you, like, how far back does your fandom go? Because like, you're still super into, the, into pro wrestling, and that's awesome. Like, we knew you were a fan, but it's clear just from this, what we've done already, that you're, like, way in. Probably watch more than me, Michael, when I have a podcast about this. That's very embarrassing to well, me. But you're, you're way in. Well, How far back does your fandom go? When, when were you guys born? Jeremy and Joe, what uh, year were you guys born in? Well, I'm a 90s kid. Jeremy is 80s. So we're, oh, we're a little, really? bit, little bit younger, but it's fine, Michael. You can be comfortable here. It's fine.
4: Yeah, you guys are babies, man. I'm still so so <laughs> Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything.
5: <laughs> I, grew up, I I started watching wrestling, I started watching wrestling in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, probably from guys, well you guys are wrestling fans, maybe you heard of Wahoo McDaniel. you ever heard yeah, of him? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh Jack Briscoe, Harley, yes. all these guys, that's who I grew mm-hmm. up watching in the Bahamas when I was just a, a, a 10, 12 year old. So I was into wrestling since all, since way back when in the 60s. Uh, Bruno San Martino and all all the greats. And so I've seen them all. So I'm way ahead of you guys. That's why, that's the era I grew up in. That's the kind of tough guy wrestlers I grew up with. And to see it now go towards like, uh, you know, seeing these guys come around now who are a bunch of pretty boys who, you know, who basically would have been just beginners or or, or open type wrestlers, who, uh, not main carders like you see today. So that's why I'm spoiled because of the, the era that I grew up in watching. Way back in the 60s and the 70s now when wrestling was, that was tough back then. But today, now it's more of a cartoon show for the most part. So
2: you mentioned guys like Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Harley Race. You you like a lot of the um, promo stuff from then. We have a question we ask everybody here on the show. Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels, who are you rocking with between those two?
5: Oh, Shawn Michaels, man, the heartbreak kid. He used to have the, one of the best introductions come out with, uh, you know, with his music, his dancing, his posing. So, you know, Bret Hart's an all-timer, but I was never a Bret Hart guy. Even though I'd watch him, but Shawn Michaels, man, he had, to, he had the look. He could talk trash. He had great mic skills, and he had the super kick, and he had the music and the ladies and the hair and everything. So Shawn Michaels was one of the all-time greats. That
3: Michael. stings, Michael. That really st- <laughs> we were We were really... We were going well. I accept your answer. Your answer is fine, but it does sting. I'm going to be honest. I must say, it does hurt.
5: I mean, it always used to to irritate me when uh, Bret Hart would say, I'm the best there ever was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. No, I don't think so, Bret. That's
2: what Jordan did all the time, though. Bret Hart was just... Jordan backed it up. Jordan backed it up.
5: You can't put put Bret Hart above uh, Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair or... Carly Race or Bruno Sarmartino or uh, The Rock come on come on or um, Triple H or the, or the Four Horsemen no you can't do that
2: oh we've got to put Bret Hart over Triple H yeah we have to <laughs> test the rules I'm
3: sorry
5: <laughs> no I don't think so because Triple H Triple H uh, you know he was funny he could talk trash he had the physique uh, so I think Triple H was a, a bigger attraction because you know when they had the NWO um, with him and, uh, and Six Pack and uh, who else is in that, um, who else is in the NW, uh, Randy Orton and uh, who else is in that, oh, uh, the Road Dogs, man, those guys were great. They were funny and they were they were talented.
3: Yes, there were, there were many factions involved there. You are correct, but so I did want to ask, so Jordan was just mentioned here by Jeremy, which was unnecessary, I don't know why I went with Jordan, but I'm <laughs> going to just go on that route. So during your NBA career, were there any other guys that were wrestling fans, too, that we do not we are not aware of their fandom? And, like, was you following along during that time at, like, the height of your NBA career? I was interested in this.
5: Oh, yeah. well oh, yeah. During my NBA career, I followed it as uh, closely as ever, ever since I was a kid. When I was in, for the Portland Trailblazers, every Saturday night, they had Portland Wrestling on the local wrestling show on 11 p.m. at night. And uh, back then, I used to stay up and make sure and watch that. Every Saturday night, the local wrestlers out of Portland, and... They had some great wrestlers in Portland, too. Roddy Roddy Piper came out of there. Playboy Buddy Rose, Stan Stasiak, Tough Tony Bourne. They had some great wrestlers that came out of the local area up there in Portland, Portland Oregon. Other guys in the NBA who were into wrestling as much as I was, mm, I don't think so. I'm sure they, they knew about them, but I don't think they were um, addicted to wrestling as I was back in the 80s. I think I might have been the biggest wrestling fan in the NBA back then.
2: Go oh, ahead. Yeah. Okay. Would you have done wrestling if, if, they, if the Lakers had cleared it or if anybody had cleared it? Because we saw like Rodman and Malone do it, and they did this right after the NBA Finals. If you were asked to come do, come do a show, come do a match, would you have done it?
5: I was asked, and I was going to do it. I was planning to doing it. And um, there I, I, w- I, I went to a couple of Portland wrestling shows in Portland where they held at the local armory or some of those small gyms. So I was actually on TV. Uh, calling uh, calling matches or commenting on the matches during, during some of the matches. And I'm sure you guys must have heard of Playboy Buddy Rose, right? Yep. yep. So Playboy Buddy Rose was a buddy of mine. Uh, he used to come on our radio show in Portland. So he said, hey, Michael, uh, this was after – yeah, I was still playing. That's right. He says, Michael, I want you to come be in my corner when I wrestle Rip Oliver. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Rip Oliver, but he's one yep. of the local wrestlers up there. And uh, you could Google him, Rip Oliver. And anyway, so I was going to be in, in sort of like a buddy's corner, and it's a fight against Rip Oliver. And uh, and we were talking about it on the air and on TV, and I was doing my mic, my, my uh, tough guy talk. That's right, Buddy Rose. I'm going to be right there to back you up against Rip Oliver. I'll be there for you, buddy. I'll watch your back. So anyway, I was talking all that trash, right, I'd act like a tough guy. And then Rip Oliver comes on TV and says, Hey, Michael, if you show up, I'm going to break your arm. And so I didn't show up.
3: That's fair. That makes a lot
5: of sense, actually, when you lay out that way. That's, that's, and, you, that's know, what, I you know what? You know, he, I don't know if it was a, a, a bit. I don't know if it was an act, but he looked so serious and sounded so serious. I say, man, I'm not going there to back to, to watch Buddy's back out. I think I'll just <laughs> quietly back out. Because I thought he, he looked serious to me. So he threatened to do bodily harm to me. He said to break some of my limbs. So I didn't show up for that, uh, that match, Buddy Rose versus Rip Oliver. But I had every intention of being there ringside. But... I think Rip Oliver convinced me not to show up.
3: <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So I did think there, uh, Jeremy, he mentioned the Rodman-Malone deal. I wanted to ask you, Michael, if you could pick two guys from the NBA right now and to set up some kind of like cross-promotional wrestling match, who are in opposing corners there, Michael, in the league right now? Who are you thinking? Oh,
5: that's a good one. I guess it doesn't really matter about the size because... You know, nobody's weighing 300 pounds in the league anymore. The biggest guy in the league, fit, weight-wise, would probably be Joel Embiid. But uh, who would who would do a good job in the ring if you put them in the ring like Rodman and Malone did of the of today's players? Um, you got to think of two guys who don't get along. And uh, I, oh, I would put Russell Westbrook would be one of them because he looks like he always wants to fight everybody and doesn't like anyone. So Russell Westbrook versus Let's see. Who does Russ have a? Uh, oh, Russell Westbrook versus Rajon Rondo because we saw them guys get into it uh, during the playoffs. This this current playoff and Rondo's brother would have to be uh, ringside too, or in Rondo's corner because <laughs> they had they had a little feud going on. You remember when Russell Westbrook yes. went after Rondo's brother, and then Rondo and Westbrook were talking trash. So and they talked trash about each other after the game. So yeah, Westbrook versus Rondo. I I think the WWE or AEW. <laughs> to try to bring those guys together, like, like how they brought in Mike Tyson a couple of months ago. I mean, I, mean, I, yes.
2: I think there's no shortage of opponents for Russell Westbrook. Patrick Beverley, <laughs> yeah. uh, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook. Uh, his only friend is Spalding, is, is what he says. Um, right. have oh, yeah, that's another one, too. Uh, Patrick, Patrick
5: Beverley and Damian Lillard. Remember, they got into it, too. There you go. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yes. Did you ever talk wrestling with uh, the Bus family? Because I know Jeannie got into wrestling with uh, the women of wrestling on Access.
5: That's right, she did. No, I never got a chance to talk uh, wrestling with Jeannie or her brothers or with Dr. Buss, I wish I did, because you're right, Jeannie wasn't stood in that for a while. If I ever see her, I'll have to ask her about bringing that back again.
3: So I, I, we do want to close this NBA talk in a second, but first, uh, this was like a fitting question to close out the wrestling talk for now. Um, you know all about being a top draft pick, Michael, right? That's like We're never going to have someone else on this show that is an actual specialist in that, in that regard, okay? So with that in mind... Let's say that the the Michael Thompson wrestling promotion is starting next month. You have one pick for your top guy in the whole industry. Who are you taking with that number one pick?
5: You're talking about all time, no matter, like uh, everybody say 20, 21 years of age?
3: For the sake of uh, podcast content, let's have an all time name as well as someone that's active today. Let's do both.
5: Does he have to be active today?
2: Uh, Active and all time.
5: Yeah. Oh, all time wrestler I would pick all time to start any wrestling business with or the headline any card there's only one guy and I don't even have to say his name all I gotta do is go who do you think that is Charlotte Flair (laughs) Uh, not quite Guy, not girl. yeah yeah Ric Flair Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler ever the way he can talk trash back it up in the ring put on a show so Ric Flair is the number one choice of any wrestler of all time wrestler currently today Who would I pick to start my promotion with? You know who I, even though, let me think. I think I would go with MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. This guy, not only can he work in the ring, man, his personality, him and Wardlow, those guys are great. When MJF is on the screen, oh, he can deliver. He can deliver a promo. He's got the best mic skills in AEW.
3: That's a strong pick. And he's young too, right? You have a whole future here of you building yeah. around MJF. That's strong.
5: He's very young. He is a he perfect heel. He makes people just want to want to watch and want to pull against him or, you know, whatever. He just He just knows how to promote.
2: We've got Lakers and Nuggets Game 4 coming up. What's your confidence level right now after the way Game 2 and Game 3 played out?
5: Very confident. I've seen LeBron respond after losses this year and in the past, and uh, he's the best leader in the game, So, and he's got the best uh, player in the game playing with him and Anthony Davis. So I expect the Lakers to respond uh, in a positive way today, in a very productive way. It'll be a tough game, but I expect the Lakers to win this one today and take, retake control of the series.
3: So, Al, in fear of looking too far ahead, because I know that's a big no-no, I understand, but which of the um, Eastern Conference final teams do you think matches up better for the Lakers' sake? Like, who are you more confident playing, the Heat or the Celtics?
5: I'm confident playing either one of them because I, I pick the Lakers to win the title anyway. Mm-hmm. But matching up better, probably, well, they're both very good. They're both very versatile. But the way the Miami Heat are playing right now with their toughness, the toughness that they're showing, uh, they're showing that Pat Riley toughness. that's been trans, uh, transferred down to Eric Spolster and the way he coaches the team. And they have such mental toughness. In Miami. I think that'll be the tougher matchup because those guys don't hold up. They don't uh, shrink from the challenge. They they are showing that they are mentally toughing up to win a title.
2: What was your biggest disappointment in the bubble? Because I mean, we had a lot of collapses. The Bucks, the Clippers, the Rockets. I don't know if the Rockets collapsed, but they came in with high hopes. What, what was the biggest disappointment for you in the bubble?
5: Well, obviously everybody knows it's the Clippers because we all thought this would be a Lakers Clippers series. We, we were shocked at least I was that uh, Mm -hmm. Denver beat them especially coming back from down 1-3 so the biggest disappointment for us in LA is we didn't get the the LA matchup that we thought we would be getting
2: what happened to Paul George in that series you can bury Paul George we're not (laughs) Dude, I'm not going to do
5: that I love Paul George he could play for me any day he's a very good player he just didn't uh, you know he had a tough tough series and that all great players have had a tough series. No matter who you are, I remember watching Michael Jordan in his younger days before he started winning titles. He had tough series. So it happens. But Paul George, man, I like his game. He's an all-around player. And even though he had a tough game seven, he could play for me anytime.
2: He's a great player. I need him, I need him to do something more in the playoffs. I saw it two years in OKC. Yeah. Just very disappointing.
5: You know, and, and I, don't give up on it. And don't give up on the Clippers because they're going to be right there again next year. They ain't going anywhere. Paul George is what? 29, Kawhi's just about about 29, so these guys are still in their prime they're not going anywhere, they'll be right back in the thick of things next year
3: This has been a very positive podcast so I don't want to dwell on this subject but Michael, I do need to ask because you're an expert in the field, I need to ask I'm a Philadelphia 76ers fan can you help me, what
5: do we do? (laughs) (laughs) Sixers have enough to to compete in the East anytime you have uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid that's two great building blocks And they've got good players around them. So they'll get a new coach. We don't know who it will be. But uh, what I would do to improve Philadelphia, if I was on the coaching staff, I would make sure that Joel Embiid would play in the low box, block a lot more, and back to the basket, closer to the basket. Because when he's in the lane, he's like Shaq. He's unstoppable. Yeah, he can shoot threes. He'll knock him down around a 30% clip. But he's so big and strong and talented, I'd have him closer to the basket more often. That's the change I think Philadelphia needs to make for next year going forward.
3: So, um, I know that Jeremy has a, a closing sort of statement, so I'm going to leave that for him. Quickly pivoting back to pro wrestling, uh, this Sunday is Clash of Champions. Do you have any takes on this pay-per-view card that we have failed to have any interest opinions for? Do you have anything to say about this card? Any matches that stand out? Any kind of opinions on this Sunday show? Uh, no, I mean, I can't see. Uh, the,
5: the cards, the matches don't really intrigue me. I mean, I think... Um, I think Drew McIntyre will re, re, uh, retain his championship. Um, I guess, um, let's see, the women's championship, I would like to see them put the belt on, because Oscar doesn't do it for me. So, if, the, if, they could change, if they could change titles for the women, women's division, put the belt, I'd like to see them put the belt on, um, hmm, let me think, uh, how about put the belt on uh, Peyton Royce, Put the
2: belt on her. Strong. Peyton Royce advocate. I like that. Uh, Last one, Michael, before I let you go. Your son is Clay Thompson. He completely crushed my hopes and dreams in 2016. (laughs) Can I get an apology for him for what he did to me in 2016, Game 6?
5: Against your thunder? Yes. Well, I mean, sure. I mean... No, because he can't apologize <laughs> to you guys because it doesn't really fault because you still had one more game to win, right? So you still, uh, even though you lost that game, you still had a chance to win Game Seven. So it's your fault that you guys didn't win the next game. I
2: wasn't shooting the shots, Michael. It's not my fault.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, but uh, but that was something to see, and uh, hopefully, he'll be back and putting up those kind of numbers again next year. I, I love yeah.
2: Clay as a player. I like that he's a chess fan. Did you guys play chess growing up? Is that why he's so into it?
5: No, no. I, I've never played chess. I always want to learn. Uh, two things I want to learn how to do is play chess and play poker. Not to gamble in poker, but just that it's such a craze that everybody knows how to play things in America except me. But chess is intriguing, and I, I wanted to teach me how to learn chess. I'm just, I just I'm, I'm more of a backgammon and checkers guy. But chess looks intriguing, and one of these days I'm just going to have him sit down for an hour and teach me what the moves are and what the concept's all about.
2: Uh, Again, I love Clay as a player. I'd take him on my team any day. I'm still heartbroken by what he did in that game six. I I don't know if I'll ever ever get over it.
5: Well, you guys just got to draft more Harden's
2: KD and westbrook and you guys will be right back in business and we tried that and it still didn't work we got shade we're all right the i know i know you I know. have to accept it okay michael <laughs> we really appreciate you uh joining us on the show today where can people find you at on social media and anything else you have to plug
5: well i'm always on twitter just uh champagne and nuts it's not a and just champagne champagne and and there's an n in the middle of nuts uh and between champagne and nuts so champagne and nuts because that's my favorite snack when i'm watching my favorite tv shows
3: strong strong <laughs> twitter username i appreciate that very much yes michael again thank
2: you for your time today we really appreciate it and come back anytime if you ever want to just bullshit right, about buddy. wrestling let us know
5: now yeah yeah anytime you want someone talk about wrestling you know where to find me
2: thank you michael yes. have a good day
5: yes thank you all right yeah. okay guys
2: want to thank Michael Thompson for coming on, joining us, talking to. He was he was nervous, Joseph. He was nervous. He said it on the air. He said he was nervous about things because he had to talk to us today.
3: You know, I didn't know (laughs) how that was going to go. And he started off, and he was very sort of like he's you know done a million interviews, I'd imagine, with just random outlets. I'm like, us. That's not a random outlet at all. About the Lakers and all that good stuff. You know, he started very steady, and then it was like one wrestling question. And it was just, like, five minutes. I'm like, yeah, this is good. This sucks. And I realised this was going to be awesome. There were some moments there where I was very sad. You know, Brett Hart will be mad at me for this. Um, But I sense he wouldn't have been a Showtime Lakers guy anyway, Brett. Don't you? They don't really stand for what he believes in. So, I I get it. I think that uh, Michael's let himself down with that one. But other than that, oh, my, the takes. This needs to be a thing that happens. I'm telling you, we need... The wrestling community needs constant Michael Thompson input, in my view. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I mean, he's done the
2: show once. I we we have a line of communication now. He seems very open to doing it again. He seemed to enjoy himself. I've not talked to him since the interview. I will message him once we get done wrapping up with all this, but look, I'd love to have him on the show once once a month and just do what what'd you call it, off air in our post production meeting, Thompson's Takes?
3: yes Thompson's takes we just bring him like he gets five minutes on the clock and we actually do five minutes (laughs) on the clock and he's just like we just say like how's Peyton Royce coming along he just goes off about the the bias towards Asker or whatever I don't know he's tremendous that was great fun I loved it the
2: Bret Hart stuff I was very stunned but he 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 clearly gravitates towards like people who can really talk on the mic and Bret unless he was burying the USA was never known for his uh, mic expertise
3: I agree, but I don't think it's fair that in a debate between Sean and Brett he was like, Yeah, Sean had great hair <laughs> Next time I am pulling him on that one. Because this is his debut. He could pretty much say anything. I was concerned with where he was going with the Bray Wyatt deal, was gonna get personal <laughs> immediately. Um, it, a lot of what he said, honestly, was what I want to say, but I'm too scared to. And for that I'm very
2: by the way, people who, who watch this, you're Michael Jordan game winning shot fist pump after uh Michael Thompson talked about Seth Rollins and said it was not for him was tremendous. Joseph just goes full on like Michael Jordan just I don't I, think
3: of Oh yes,
2: I was going to say it on air but he kept uh, talking about stuff and I didn't want to recall it. You were legitimately like just yes, you were yeah. you just hit the game winner right there when Michael Thompson agreed with uh, your Seth Rollins takes. <laughs>
3: It was like I'd sent him my opinions. It was like, Michael, read these. <laughs> just pretend. Just back me up on this. But, yeah, it was – I mean, I'm all in on this. I actually at one point was going to offer you to just take my place full time. He <laughs> seems to do my bits a lot better than I do. And he has more history, as he said. We're, we're way off him. So, so much to be learned from, from Michael Thompson. We did a nice little NBA kind of crossover with a perfect podcast with him. Right, We really are. So um, hopefully we'll remember that in free agency. Because you know what's going to happen now, Jeremy. He's going to pop up on every wrestling podcast. They're going to have him everywhere. It's going to be a real shame.
2: It is. uh, Everybody's going to ride the coattails of the distraction, as as they do in, in the wrestling media landscape. But... What can you do? We'll continue to set the bar, the T-bar. We'll continue yes. to, to set the You know the what bar.
3: I bet we will do it, Jeremy? I bet Andrew Thompson, that Hollywood sellout, I bet he's <laughs> already messaged him and was like, come on, my brand new, po-. I, with his fancy graphics. Who does he <laughs> think he is, that Andrew Thompson, huh? Michael Big Thompson, time.
2: I'm pretty sure his brother's name is Andrew Thompson. That's the guy who did worked on the uh, Last Dance documentary.
3: Okay, well, there you go. I mean, this is a slam dunk for Andrew now. He's done it. He's literally now just <laughs> magic. Med- we shouldn't have done this. We've, we've sped it out for let's We'll tackle all that next week because I have a lot of issues with Andrew's Hollywood approach to the business. He <laughs> needs to remember where he came from in this wrestling media game. Okay? There used to be a super team over here. And Michael, he, see, Michael's on our show, but he's about to be on Andrew, and that's going to be the new super team, and that's very scary. We don't need that in this business, Jeremy. Really.
2: Andrew's going to be on our show uh, reviewing Ready to Rumble next Tuesday. So that'll be... That'll be something. We're just Tom- we're just getting all the Thompsons. I tried to get my apology from Clay Thompson. Michael buried me and basically said they should have hit more shots. He said I should have hit more shots, Joseph. I had the ball in my hands.
3: His reaction when you were like it was not my fault was the most incredible. You yeah. just like I oh, know, I oh, know, but you still lose. That was basically what he said. He was pretty light on me with the sixes. I felt he could dunk. I was very scared. Um. I was almost getting off from the roster spots but he's a big guy he would fit him well he would know? he would Hallford at the three slotting Michael there at the four what are you saying are we in at this maybe next time but anyway yes great times
2: <laughs> uh, we do have a retro match to review from WCW Fall Brawl 2000 the Pittsburgh Plunge scaffold match Billy Kidman and Medusa against Shane Douglas and Torrey Wilson Joseph this was your pick I'm literally watching this match right now. I was busy this week, all right? I had to prep yes. for this uh, Michael Thompson interview. You made me read subtitles for the Hiroshi, Tani, Ta- Tanahashi, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi interview. I've been a busy man. So I'm watching this live on air as we do this, and that's probably the better way to do this.
3: I think in this case, certainly. There's there's a few great moments This setup
2: here. sucks, by the
3: way. <laughs> yes. So this is what we need to so- This is during the peaks or like Viagra on a pole. Yes. Right? In a terrible program, uh, Billy Kidman is mumps removed from like a heel main event push against Hulk (laughs) Hogan, which went so far that he's now a mid-card babyface against Shane Douglas. So I'll spell it out for you. Russo is still around at this point, right? Or has he gone home? I have no idea. I feel like he's still around. Even if he's not there, this is very much of his like force, right? This is his kind of magic. So, before the match, this is what you'll miss out on, Jeremy, so I will have to kind of catch you up here. Medusa does a promo that truly cannot be described with <laughs> words because Billy Kidman is like, he's sort of cool and calm. He's like, you really think Tory Wilson wants to go up there on a scaffold, Shane? No way, Shane. That's not going to happen. And then Mean Jean's like, okay, Billy, cool. Let's talk to Medusa about this." And she just starts screaming. She calls Tori a bitch, bimbo bitch. I believe she goes further than that, but that's as far as I will go for this program. It is insane. It needs to be seen. It is nothing... It's like 30 seconds of her just screaming at the camera, um, which Billy Kidman even seems somewhat uncomfortable. Now, here's the thing that's weird about this match, Jeremy, is it's a scaffold match, but the way to win is to climb down. Sure. But they start in opposite corners... So I assume they're supposed to cross. I don't know. I assume, but it's it's still interesting. Well, Tori is crawling.
2: Tori is crawling across the scaffold right now. Yes.
3: Yes. She should just climb
2: down right now. She's just chilling. She's scared. She's scared. Yeah, I I get that she's she's scared scared of heights. I saw that on my closed captioning that she's scared of heights. (laughs) Vampiro, shades of vampiro. (laughs) Is everyone in WCW just scared of heights?
3: Yes, and it, the crossover actually goes further than that. There's only three months in between these matches, and it's like there's 10 years. It's amazing. So Shane here, every criticism of Shane Douglas as a promo is encapsulated in his pre-match promo because it is all just like Shane Douglasisms, right? Like he's doing the, this is when he's doing the that's a fact, that's a fact, jackass stuff. He's doing the, he, one of his quotes is big-ass statements that his little ass can't back up. Bold trash, <laughs> just bold from many ways. Um, And then they do this deal, which you've probably just seen, where they stand on the scaffold and it, like, elevates at the pace. I mean, the pace of this thing, it makes last night's Dynamite hour one (laughs) seem rapid. It's like, and Billy's saying, you know, go up further, go up further. Um, I have very few funny Shivani quotes, but I have one that might be the best ever. Because Mark Madden, as the scaffold begins to elevate, uh, begins to make boob jokes, Jeremy, okay? And Tony Shivani says, and I quote, I'd like to try to sell this match a little bit, get your boob jokes out quickly, (laughs) a real thing Tony says before this scaffold match. He actually admits and concedes, I'd actually like to try to sell this match, Mark, please do it now so I can continue my job. So that's fun. Um, The problem with scaffold matches is, is you either do stuff where it's just punching or you have just like a normal wrestling match, right? That's the issue. This is very much in play here, as I'm pretty sure Medusa's first move is a snapmare on yes. top of the, of the scaffold. Yeah, she does a snapmare on Tori yes. Wilson. And Medusa is, is like grabbing Shane Douglas by the balls right now. Yes, lots of ball grabs. And so Medusa, um, is going after Tori. She's screaming, and then Shane and Billy are just doing like a match. Like so they're just doing like their signature moves. They're doing sort of like sequences and such. Um, Shane does some of the funniest like teases that he's going to fall off the scaffold ever in which he like dangles his little toe yeah yeah.
2: he dangles like a like it's over, oh my god it's
3: great Um, yes, then Medusa also tries to escape when Tori tries to escape and I didn't understand this because Medusa like talked all that trash and now she's just trying to get off she's then confused as to whether or not she should leave or not (laughs) I have no understanding of what this means okay she explains that she doesn't want to leave Billy up there. Okay? Does that make sense? I don't know. Isn't how you spoke? You told me the
2: way to win is that you climb down. Medusa just fell. Like, they won, yes, right? Yes,
3: yes. But you have to both get down, I think. Oh. Like. Oh, no, hang on. Wait right there, Jeremy. You're very confused. Okay. Yeah, you so confused me. She does the sting bump, right? Yeah. And it gets the same reaction. Believe <laughs> or not. And. When I say sting bump, I don't mean the, the one where he's on fire. I mean the one where he just takes like a simple flat back from like six foot. It's awesome. And it's explained to us by Tony Shivani that she fell down, she did not climb down, <laughs> therefore match remains in play. Okay? That's about to get a lot more epic when you see what happens to yeah, Bill Billy. Yeah,
2: Billy Kidman just got thrown down yes. head first, which, as somebody
3: explained, which, that he fell head first. <laughs> yes, which Schiavone graces with the call of Billy Kidman! Billy Kidman <laughs> It's fair, isn't it, really? That's what we're at here. Um, and it's then explained that they have won the match by default because they're the only people that are left to climb down, <laughs> which is the greatest victory.
1: <laughs>
3: and when, which is the thing that's really amazing about this is, I was live sitting there thinking, okay, so scaffold matches generally are, you know, the deal where it's like the guy has to fall off to win, right? Yeah. Your winners are knocking both people off the scaffold. <laughs> yeah. Why couldn't that just be the way to win? Why didn't these why do the bumps and still not having me to finish? All of these questions are left unanswered. All I know is if you think Babyface is a book bad today, good Lord, this was a feat. Because Shane Douglas effectively just beats the shower, both Medusa and Billy Kidman, and then just like, like taunts them. I understand what was achieved here. Very, very bad. Shame. They're getting Shane yeah. Douglas over, brother yeah they sure were what a real <laughs> hot run this was this is when he does the the deal where he shows up you know the great Nitro that we both love where they take all the belts away and it's yeah. like this big so, a restart finally that deal um, Shane shows up and hits Ric Flair and the call is like we all know about the heat between these two <laughs> guys. It's like, I, I find it great last point on this because I know this segment has become the Russo like, kind of punching bag deal But I do find it hilarious that Russo's thing now is like the smart marks ruined wrestling. And when you go back and watch his stuff, it was all for the smart marks, which is kind of adorable in many ways. Yes, this was very bad, Jeremy. What is your match for next week? Oh, it's not a match, Joseph.
2: It is not a match. Not a wrestling match, anyway. Oh, Um, I believe it's 1995 Halloween Havoc. We can watch the wrestling match, but... We're oh. going to watch. You know where I'm going. Yeah, I do. The monster truck battle between Hulk Hogan and the Giant. And if you want to watch the wrestling match afterwards, that's fine. But the big thing is the monster truck battle.
3: We have to do the match because I want to get the Yeti. Okay, in. fair. The Yeti is an all-time. <laughs> like, I, I just want the show to next week be about what's better, the Yeti or... Like, Big Shot actually dying and falling off. And Hulk just having to sell it like it's a real <laughs> Both are great. I'm just want i not sure which is better right
2: now. I'm excited. We're going to watch that next week. Do you want to review the uh, the Taylor Swift trilogy next week? We teased that last week, but Michael Thompson kind of took priority. Wow.
3: Now, there's a bit that I forgot happened. Yes, we will do that next okay. week. Can you please message me yeah, to yeah. wonder what we're doing I'll send you. That was a
2: bit. I'll send you the songs uh, for you to listen to to review okay. them.
3: Sorry, sometimes there's a lot going on here, Joe. Right? A lot, it's, this show is very, uh, it's very varied in the things we touch on here. Right? Like I have to sort of, in one day I'm like, okay, let's prep for the Michael Thompson interview. But then let's go watch the Shane Douglas scaffold <laughs> It's very, it's difficult to prepare for. So I miss something. Well, I appreciate. it We'll do that next
1: week. Yes.
2: Uh, we're gonna close out with some basketball talk. Looks like the Heat are going to the finals. They uh, they went up three one on the Celtics. I, I don't think the Celtics have enough juice to to get them back in this series. And then Lakers and Nuggets game four is tonight. Uh, look, I'm you still got to ride with the Lakers, even though the Nuggets mm-hmm. won last game and game two. I mean, game two came down to the final shot, so the Nuggets were certainly in that game. Uh, what, what are you thinking with how things are going? And Billy Donovan not going to the Sixers. Let's you got to celebrate that one, Joseph.
3: I was very happy. I actually think it's a good hire for the Bulls. I do too. I because I think. And this, is, this sounds really mean, and I actually don't mean it to be, but they need to strive for, like, competent basketball, you know? And, yeah. like, Billy Donovan's very competent. Um, so it's probably not as high a ceiling as some of the other options, but I think the floor is pretty high on Billy Don- I think he's going to make them, like, a very solid team. The def- they need help defensively, too, right? Desperately need help. So he should help there. Um, I'm just glad he's not coming to Philadelphia, to be honest with you. So that's cool. Uh, I, it's hard for me to pick the Nuggets over the Lakers, even though there's, like, increasing evidence that I should take them very seriously in this series. I just can't see them winning this series. If you're a Denver fan, that should make you very happy because I didn't see you winning the Clippers <laughs> series either, right? So, like, it's, you know, it's hard to say. Um, I did this on Tuesday. I'm going to do it again briefly. I kind of refute the notion that Spolster is not the best coach in the league. But I'm, I'm now all in. I, I think this is... When you watch these two offences side by side, the end of last night's game... The amount of turnovers late for Boston. Now, Denver, I know I know that the Heat have their, their cold spells, of course. And I know they, like, they have the lead for most um, leads blown, I think, this season. But they're always moving, right? There's always open shots and such. Boston last night, was, everyone just had going one-on-one and turned the ball over. So, I don't know, like, starting five versus starting five, I don't think the Celtics are outmatched by any means. I just think Spolster's offense is like
2: a cut above. I really do. Spolstra, he's always been a good coach. Uh, this year has really been like solidified everything because no one expected this team to, to definitely not be one win away from the exactly, finals. Yeah. Uh, I think people thought this team was going to be good because they were good last year and then they added Jimmy Butler, but no one expected them to be one win away from the finals. And, and a big part of that is Spolstra. Even last year, the job he did, like that was not a great roster last year. Mm-hmm. And they they were either a playoff team or like a 9 seed and like that a lot of that is a credit to Spolster. He's amazing. The Lakers Nuggets series Jamal Murray is certainly an issue. <laughs> that guy he he has gone to another level in the playoffs. Like I I've been a big advocate for Jokic. I legitimately thought Jokic should have been top 3 MVP last year over Paul George and I had him very high on my list the year before as well when when the nuggets were kind of surprising and in a top 4 like a top 4 seed i've always been a, a very big advocate of jokic murray has always seemed to be a guy who was like great against the thunder and not that good against everybody else right. like i yeah. would see him he would always kill the thunder and i'd see him play against other teams or see his box scores like all right he went 2 for 13 like is this guy really that good these playoffs this guy is just he's been amazing And I don't know, like when you can reach that level of just like one-on-one, no one can stop you. doesn't matter what shots you're taking. It it truly just does not matter who you throw on this guy. Like that shot he hit over Anthony Davis to Mm -hmm. the dagger shot in game three. That was
3: something else. He's been amazing. I keep waiting for it to stop. uh, And then he'll have like a one down game, right? Like it'll be like, okay, maybe now he'll come back down and and then he's back to where he was. So I, um, It certainly feels right now like he's taken, like, the step in this playoffs, doesn't it? It feels like this is now what Jamal Murray is. Um, For for Nuggets fans, hope, that's the case. I mean, this was, though, Jeremy, this was the Jeremy Grant game, right? Let's be fair about this. This was very much, I mean, OKCM Sixers fan here. This man was, like, he was taking guys off the dribble. He was getting to the free throw line. This was a glorious evening for the Jeremy Grant, so... It'll be interesting to see uh, Michael mentioned, right? That he gave them like a third option in that game, which I don't think anyone saw coming. It'll be interesting to see that constant dynamic of who's the third guy on both teams, like going back and forth. So, the Lakers need someone to step up, as Michael said, our friend Michael. Um, <laughs> but I just I don't know. I mean, I was riding with the Clippers. And now they're out, it just feels like it's the Lakers to lose to me. And that maybe that's disrespectful to the other teams, but it just does feel that way,
2: you know? It certainly does feel like it's the Lakers to lose. Um, I, I would still pick the Lakers to win this whole thing just because they lost one game against the Nuggets. I, I'm not going to back away from that. But the Heat can present some issues for them with the way their offense runs, with the way they play defense. They have a superstar player. They've got guys who can just, like, shoot and contribute. Like, Tyler Hero last yes. night. Like, Oh, my! This is the kind of stuff. Like, Drogic can do this stuff, too. Like, these guys can just give you 30, and you're just not expecting it. And even Duncan Robinson can get, like, hot from behind the line. Like, they've got actual shooters. The Lakers don't have shooters to that level. And they certainly don't have guys who can take you off the dribble like Hero. Like, compare Tyler Hero to Kyle Kuzma. Like, Tyler Hero's a better player than Kyle Kuzma. <laughs>
3: Yeah, the Kuzma thing is fun just because like every time he checks into the game, like Van Gundy or Mike Jackson will be like, you need to have Cole Kuzma as a third scoring option. He's got to step up. So we are pretty deep in the playoffs at this point. Like, this, uh, this talking point was fun in uh, October last year. Hey, guys, can we just leave it be now? Like I think he is what he is, right? He might make a big show. He might have a good game, but he's not going to be like a consistent 20-point man as the third option. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting... I just can't shape kind of that. I think... Here's the thing, though, right? When you're like Jokic and Murray, they haven't won. So we immediately just like, well, the LeBron team's going to win, right? We've seen it. But that doesn't... That's not how it works, right? Like, Jokic and Murray, they're going to... I mean, I would assume they're going to win big during their career. They stick together. They're so good already. They're going to have to win at some point, right? Maybe this is the year they do it in the bubble with all those shenanigans. So... It would be wild, dude, if we end up with a Nuggets heat <laughs> final. Like, I'm all for it. It'd be fun. I just kind of dread the dialogue. Because the national media would just be like, well, we have nothing to talk about with these two good basketball teams. Let's just talk about the bubble ruining the NBA. You know? <laughs> Stephen Allen would be like, maybe the bubble just killed the whole NBA. Adam <laughs> Silver will be doing speeches. It's gonna be That's all I'm thinking. Just narrative-wise, this is about to get out of hand. But it's going to be fun basketball.
2: It was great to see Jeremy Grant step up uh watched him grow in OKC just from two years ago to last year you could see that growth I certainly yeah. didn't think he would continue to grow at this level but I knew he would be a good fit in Denver and it's it's great to see the way he used to be a guy to where like when he got the ball just put his head down and, and drive and just whatever happened <laughs> happened after that and yeah. last year he developed more confidence off the dribble his three-point shot got much better and this year that's just continued to where when he has the ball in his hands like he does not look uncomfortable with it at all he looks like an actual people wanted to compare him to like Siakam uh because last year Siakam really made that big leap and people were like oh yeah Jeremy Grant is who Siakam actually is and this year like Grant I, I don't know if he's at Siakam's level but he's certainly growing into that kind of
3: player he was a smart pickup, right? That was one of those deals that just kind of flew yeah. under the radar. People were like, okay, that's cool. But it's always smart, and I learned this pretty brutally this year, is like the more options you have defensively, too, because he's become so useful because of the teams they've played in particular, right? Like, they're using – they're for him at LeBron almost every position. So he's been – he was awesome pickup for them in hindsight. I don't think people really grasp at the time how important he'd be in the conference finals the following <laughs> year, right? Like, that's just the way it works out, I guess. So, I don't know. I, I'm kind of when I watch the game. I mean, this—this. This be real about this. This is a silly thing to say, Jeremy. But this—they could very easily be two-one up right now, the Nuggets, right? Like that. Andy Davis shot. The end games are coin flips. Like I know that's just the way basketball is. But um, tonight is a huge game. I've sold this myself. I now understand why Michael is nervous. He should be. <laughs> Michael, you should be nervous right now. is going big time.
2: Even if the Lakers win, the Nuggets have come back down 3-1 right. twice now like yes. I don't even think Lakers fans would, would be super comfortable I can't imagine if the Lakers went tonight the Nuggets actually like come back 3 3-1 Ridiculous. series that would just be absolute madness to me but the bubble strange things happens in the bubble
3: imagine Pat Riley like they do that they come back from 3-1 and Pat Riley gets the, the heat of 3-1 up what does Pat Riley do to avoid falling victim to the comeback kids? Does he, like, assassinate one of the guys at the bubble? What does he do? What, the, what levels will he go to here, Jeremy?
2: He, he tells them not to go up 3-1. Like, you better go up yeah. 3-0 or Throw you better game. let them win 2.
3: <laughs> you better let them win too early. 2-1 up yeah. screaming at Spo. Throw it! Don't <laughs> <No laughs> let, <him. No laughs> let him get back. Yeah, would be great.
2: <laughs> uh, so game four is tonight um by the time this time next week we'll probably know who's in the finals and the finals might even
3: be underway on our next show well i mean i at this juncture have to root for the denver nuggets um the lakers are fine both east teams very sad very painful so i it's just the position i'm in i think the heat are the most fun to watch though the heat are very fine yeah i will stick with the lakers pick for now um, and I will never talk about it again if by next week's show they're out of the NBA playoffs. You don't get to stick with the
2: Lakers pick because you were a coward and you did not take oh, the yeah. bet that I gave you on taking the Lakers or the field. So you don't actually wonder, have a pick.
3: I wonder if Michael Thompson would sing about having a dream. and Oh. And, yeah. God, I don't know what I've forgotten. I should I mean, have asked. It's well, a very different avenue we could take Michael Thompson. I was going to say, we're going to get him
2: back on the show uh, for monthly Thompson's takes. So maybe he will do some... Uh, karaoke bits as well and he won't be a coward like you are
3: we're we're doing this like he's been on like a hundred times you know like pitching pitching like 80 seconds but yes i'm all for this he's definitely not a coward okay no i mean he invites sort of he literally wants us to get eddie kingston to bury him yeah and what more do you need to say about that guy look i'm gonna try I'm
2: gonna try my best.
3: To... <laughs> I have to say, this is the best part of our show every week is when the sun suddenly your shot becomes like an incredible filter. It's <laughs> it's,
2: it's always between three thirty and four. Like the sun here in North Carolina, just because it happens every single day. It's not just our show. We just happen to be doing our show at this time. But every day when I'm on my computer between three thirty and four, this is you should see my screen like it lights up. But yeah, when it comes through on the camera it's amazing so it does create this uh weird filter
3: on on the show but between three thirty and 4 it's here is just pitch black well, i'm here <laughs> and you look like angelic you've got these lights flying across you very incredible sight yes. <laughs>
2: um all right everybody it's gonna do it for today we'll be back on tuesday reviewing ready to rumble with uh andrew thompson from post wrestling We'll be back next Thursday talking wrestling and basketball as always. I think I'm going to live stream Battlegrounds Friday night after SmackDown. That's a tentative plan assuming things are good. I'm trying to get Joseph to uh, stream with me before SmackDown. I don't know if he's going to do it. If he doesn't, please call him a coward even further. Joe, you wrote a feature about Jay Uso. Tell the people about it.
3: Yes. 1400 words about jay uso what more do you want from me folks this is what i'm giving you okay so this match is pretty interesting to me and and my feature is about the fact that uh, the usos are a great tag team because individually they are brilliant at what they do right and by circumstance we'll probably never see them as singles wrestlers but this is like a glance into that so um either read it or retweet it ideally do both but I will accept just sort of vague compliments. They're always fine. Like if you could just quote to me, he'd be like good article. i be like, yep, i do. I don't need. I do reads. Okay, it's fine. So yes, that's out, and um, nothing else. I may defeat Jeremy at battlegrounds, but I'm also not sure if that will happen. I have been grinding the battlegrounds. I have not I, I <laughs> I've
2: not You've played. I've not played since all? I since I did the live stream last week. Like I, the only time I want to play it is when I'm streaming it, and so people can just slowly see. My progress through the streams.
3: Wow, I like that. I appreciate, yeah. it. but I, you know, I think there's there's elements of the game that I'm getting used to that I feel could be a game changer in a stream battle. So okay. The, by the way, uh, we filmed last week our TW deal. Yes. And folks, as someone that's currently preparing the series itself, this is going to be an all-time test. If this <laughs> podcast starts getting worse over the next few weeks, months, you you'll know why if you watch the TW series because it's going to be like unlike anything we've ever done before so yes that's another cheek plug
2: like. we're gonna uh live stream some tew episodes as well probably yes. at least yeah. our premiere once uh the database is finished everyone yell at joseph to to finish the database yell at him kindly he's putting in a lot of work on that so don't <laughs> be mean everybody yes
3: many bad wrestlers being pulled from many different areas that's yes. all i'll tell you
2: yeah. a lot uh all right everyone follow joe on twitter at joe five you can follow me at jeremy lambert 88 we will be back on to